Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Spirit Rock. Welcome to Monday night. I'm really appreciating daylight savings time. <clears throat> it's very light. <laughs> Maybe when we meditate tonight, we can meditate on light, inner light, outer light. It's interesting how we're so affected and conditioned by external circumstances, right? So how, whether you love the rain or not, how different the mood feels after a week of rain to a day of sunlight. So I just um, finished teaching a day long here. We're starting to do a few more midweek day longs. So I've been here since nine o'clock this morning teaching. And uh, the theme was exploring love, exploring loving kindness. So hopefully you can soak up the vibes from what was happening today. And I was thinking that we would continue the same theme, because why not? Why not talk about love? Spring is here, and it's essential quality in our lives and in this practice and on the path, quality of kindness, particularly in relationship to our meditation practice, to our own inner life, how we hold and orient to ourselves and our experience with kindness. So I'm just curious, how many people here uh, in their meditation practice, uh, have uh, how many how many people? Um, I don't like the word "do," but there's anything I'm wording. How many people do the loving kindness practice in their in your daily practice in some form or other? Okay, so only a few of you. How many people have had instruction in loving kindness meditation? Some of you. All right. Well, maybe I will lead us in a loving-kindness meditation, since most of you didn't put your hands up. Um, For those of you who don't like guided meditations, then you're going to have to meditate on aversion and uh, (laughs) resistance (laughs) and maybe some hatred. Um, That's okay. I won't take it personally. (laughs) It's for the welfare of all beings. (laughs) So... um, So the practice of loving-kindness, practice taught by the Buddha, although we're not quite sure exactly how he taught it, there's not a lot in the texts actually about his form of meditation of loving-kindness, because in the in the text basically the the one line that we can really draw on in in, in a sort of reference to our practice is basically um, one should cherish all living beings, suffusing the whole world with unobstructed loving kindness. <clears throat> so off you go. That's the instruction. However, if that was the only instruction, most of you would just space out. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't want to underestimate your meditation powers, but um, 
uh, generally that form of metta practice where we just suffuse ourselves and all beings with loving-kindness um, is not so easy to sustain because we tend to you know, suffuse for a while and then we start suffusing it with what's for dinner and what's for work tomorrow and what's you know wrong with my life and my relationship and we get lost and you know just as we do with any meditation so um, the form that's mostly taught and practiced here is um, actually from an old text called the Visuddhimagga, which is about 1500 years old. So if you think old stuff has, you know, gives it more weight, then it's got plenty of weight to it. Um, and it's a practice that uses phrases, intentional phrases, that express uh, your wish, uh, your aspiration for yourself and for others. So it's a, the, the, how I speak about it is the phrases, the, the intention and the wish and the orientation of kindness and love uh, are carried on the, the vehicle of the phrases. So it's not about the phrases, it's about the intention and the orientation that the phrases are a sort of directionality of kindness to self and other. That make sense. So, um, so I'll guide us through that as we sit together today. And just a couple of things to say about that practice. One, we're not, even though it's a cultivation of loving kindness, we're not looking for any particular state to, to be cultivated. We're not demanding or insisting on any particular emotion arising. We just say, repeat these phrases, these wishes for another's well-being, and then we let go. Just as we sit and we be present and we let go to what actually happens in mindfulness. And sometimes beautiful, loving, caring, expansive states arise. Sometimes nothing arises. Sometimes the obstacle to a loving heart arises. Our own contraction, our fear, our numbness, our reactivity, our hatred, our all the other stuff that gets in the way of us having a loving heart surface, which is why it's called a purification practice, in that it brings to the surface that which is obstructing the radiant heart. So um, so many ways to do this. I'm going to guide us. We'll start with ourselves, wishing well for ourselves, because that's often the place that's most needed. Most of us... I would say, a naturally caring people, and yet we're not so kind and caring with ourselves. So we start here because this is a, the source and the wellspring from which our love for others arises. And then I'll introduce different types of people we can wish for, people who are easier, people who are more neutral, people who are difficult, and ultimately we're just wishing well for everyone yeah, without condition. So that's why that's referred to as a boundless quality of heart. We're not just loving the people nearest and dearest to us, which is lovely, but we're actually extending that to, to include everybody. Easier said than done, which is why it's called a practice. Okay, so sitting comfortably, sitting at ease, sitting upright, yet relaxed. <clears throat> I'm going to read a poem from Derek Walcott, who expresses quite beautifully this, this, this quality of being able to hold oneself 
with loving presence. He says, the time will come when with elation you will greet yourself arriving at your own door in your own mirror and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you have ignored for another, but who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelves, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit and feast on your life. So sitting, turning the gaze inwards, closing the eyes, sensing your heart, your chest area. You might want to put your hand on your chest as a way of connecting with this heart center. Feeling the breath in the chest. And taking a moment as we turn our attention towards cultivating kindness to ourselves, to first take a moment to reflect on your own goodness, your own good qualities. It's said the quality of metta, of kindness, friendliness flows when we are oriented towards the goodness and the good qualities of the person that we're wishing kindness for. And if accessing that goodness or good qualities is difficult, remembering ways you are kind or generous, caring, simply reflecting on your wish to be happy. And then I'm going to repeat some phrases, which I'll repeat several times. You may have your own phrases. You're welcome to use mine, adapt mine, but keep the phrases very simple, very generic, so you can wish them equally for everyone. And I'll say a longer version than a shorter version of the phrase. May I be safe and protected from inner and outer harm. Or may I feel safe. May I be healthy and strong in my body, or as healthy as I'm able to be. Or simply may I feel healthy. May I be happy and peaceful in this moment. May I be happy. And may I live with ease in this world. May I love and accept myself just as I am.
So I'll say these, the simpler version of these phrases a couple of times. And as you hear and say the phrase, see if you can feel into the felt sense in your body. May I feel safe. May I be healthy. May I be happy. May I live with ease. May I love myself just as I am. feel safe. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I live with ease. May I love myself just as I am. So in your own time, using these words or your own, offering these wishes, kindness, friendliness for yourself, connecting each time with the meaning, with the intention of each phrase, Offering them to yourself, offering them to your heart, to your body. And when your attention wanders, you gently bring it back.
from this place of <clears throat> wishing well for ourselves, we're going to expand outwards to include other people. So first calling to mind someone whom's very, the easiest person for you to feel loving towards. Someone who brings a smile to your face when you think of them. It could be a child, grandchild. It could be a teacher. It could be a loved one. So calling someone into your heart, visualizing them, saying their name, sensing this person's goodness, good qualities. their wish to be happy. And offering them these same wishes, just as I wish to be safe, may you too be safe. May you be healthy and strong. May you be happy. May you live with ease. And love yourself just as you are. So holding a strong sense of this person in your mind and heart as you Say these phrases slowly, meaningfully. May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be happy. and live with ease.
natural of getting lost in thinking about this person versus just coming back to this simple wish for the happiness and well-being. same way calling to mind a good friend, someone with whom it's easy for you to feel, again, that sense of warm connection, taking a moment to sense this person, visualize them, sense their goodness, and extend your heart through these phrases your own phrases, just as I wish to be happy, may you too be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. May you love yourself just as you are. time offering these phrases or your own.
now calling to mind someone who's more neutral for you, stranger, someone you might see every day in your neighborhood, in your office, at the coffee shop, store, someone with whom you have neither strong feelings for or against, but someone you would recognize. And again, the orientation with the practice is seeing if we can extend this quality of friendliness beyond our usual kith and kin to include all life. So calling this person to mind, and even though you don't know them, you can sense that they too wish to be happy, safe, free, Extending this intention, this wish, whether you feel it something or not, getting your energy behind the goodness of this intention. Just as I wish to be safe, may you too feel safe. May you be healthy and strong. May you be happy peaceful. May you live with ease. Staying connected with this sense of this person as you offer your wishes of kindness to them.
bring to mind someone with whom you're in some difficulty with, <clears throat> someone who's annoying to you, challenging, irritating. Don't choose your worst enemy, but just someone who's slightly difficult, frustrating. <coughs> and again, we're trying to stretch our heart's capacity to be open, caring, even if we don't like people, even if they annoy us. Can we not contract our own heart? Can we see they too, just like me, want to be happy? So calling this person to mind, and seeing if you can extend genuine wishes friendliness to them. Doesn't mean you condone painful actions, doesn't mean you need to like them, but you keep the heart open. Just as I wish to be safe, may you too be safe. May you be healthy and strong. May you be happy. May you live with ease. Staying mindful, particularly with this person, not to get lost in story. Just keep coming back to this simple wish. And if it's too triggering, too difficult, you can let them go and come back to wishing better for yourself or someone who's a little easier. <clears throat> And lastly, extending outwards in ever-widening circles, first beginning with the people sitting around you, to the side of you, in front of you, behind you. May you too be safe, be healthy, be happy. Including everybody in the room. Those you know, those you don't know. May we all be healthy and be happy in this moment. Find freedom and ease. And 
and permeating the walls into the, all the beings of this land and the valley, the turkeys and the birds sleeping and the deer in the forest and all the peoples here of the land, Spirit Rock and beyond. May your life here flourish and be healthy, be happy. And with freedom and ease. And extending your hearts out to those known and unknown, to friends, to family, to loved ones, near and far. Extending out in all directions to all life, all peoples, all beings, all creatures, all species, all endangered species. May your life everywhere be safe, protected, and live with health. Live with happiness, live with peace. Just a little overview of the meta practice for those of you who are not so familiar with it. I'll say a little more about the practice and maybe take some questions after the break. So if you have questions, you can uh, ask them. Um, and yeah, I'll give a little more of an overview of the orientation of metta, kindness as a practice, as a quality, as a lived experience. <clears throat> but first we'll have some announcements and then a break. When I asked that question, how many people are familiar with the metta practice, there was um, some people, but there was a lot of people who weren't. And um, so I'm actually curious to hear from you if there are any questions or challenges with doing that practice you know it's like can we get some mic runner yeah Helga, thanks um lady over there in the second row in black um you know like with any practice especially a new practice um you know questions arise challenges um and um it's called a practice. It takes a while to learn. Yes. 
First of all, thank you so much. It was so enjoy enjoyable. Your Good. voice just brings you to a place of relaxation just by itself. So Good. it's a treat. Thank Good. you so much. Hopefully um, not too sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> My voice is a little bit hoarse, so maybe it's because of falling asleep. I'm uh-huh. just kidding. Um, First of all, I, it's my first introduction, so mm. it's really a concept that you, that you don't even think about mm. normally, mm-hmm. and um, I appreciate knowing about it. And my question, I didn't have any challenges. My mind, of course, sure. jumped around. Um, but where do you actually get the full version of this? I would love to have access to a full version. Like the uncut, unedited, yes. <laughs> full-length movie version? <laughs> <laughs> well, many places, you know, this is a very common practice. So I have a CD in the back. If you you if you want my voice, there's there's there's, there's CDs. It's on. I have a CD. It's called I don't know. It's called the Art of Love or something. Um, I should know what my CD is called. But anyhow, it's got the, it's got the practice of loving kindness and compassion and joy and forgiveness. I think. Um, and you know, but there are many, many, many. Pl- you know, on Dharma Seed, which is where we record all these talks, um, I'm sure there's many versions of the meditation there you can download for f- free. Um, and um, but but the one I just led you in is similar to the one that's on my CD. Perfect. So if you want that, yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Okay. Yeah. And it, anyway, it's actually very helpful. Um, f- you know, f- when you're doing a new practice, to to have guidance. You know, to, to, to listen to a guided meditation, the CD or, you know, MP3 or you know, Dharma Seed or, you know, as some of you know, I recorded about 90 meditations, various, you know, mindfulness and love and compassion practices on a, on a meditation app called will.com, W-H-I-L. And um, it's a really great resource. And, and, and I, you know, it's really helpful when we're, I think it can be an incentive or a support in our daily practice when we're sitting and we're, you know, plagued by our wandering mind to have someone's voice there saying, you know, come back, <laughs> wake up. <laughs> You're not at work yet. <laughs> it's not as bad as you think it is. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. So, thanks. Yeah. Other questions? Were you all just residing in boundless, radiant, loving-kindness to all beings everywhere? (laughs) Yes, good. (laughs) Don't be shy. If you have a question, most likely other people will be having the same experience. Yes, sir. Hello. Hi. Hey, so what's the difference between loving all beings and romantic love. I'm, I'm getting a little stuck on that. Yeah, well, romantic love, um, as beautiful as it is, is usually very particular to a person, one person. You know, unless you may be a polyamorous and you have a few people, but basically, you know, romantic love is, you know, it's, and, and it's, uh, it's contained within a certain structure and it usually has conditions on it. You know, most most forms of our most of our experiences of love uh, are conditioned, as in, you know, especially romantic love. That you you know you there's certain agreements in a relationship. 
you know, that, that you commit, that you agree to, you know, fidelity or to loving each other or caring for each other, whatever. Right? And if those rules are broken, then often that romantic love dissolves. Whereas the, this quality of matter or boundless love is unconditional in that we love regardless of conditions. Right? Whether someone is nice to us or not nice to us, someone whether we know them or not, whether we like their political views or not, or we like their, you know, how, who and how they are in the world, we still are able to find some capacity of care and kindness. So, which is, you know, so in that way, it's much more, you know, there's much more capacity to extend itself beyond just our familiar, small, you know, family, relational place. And in, in that sense, it's, um, mm, I was going to say it's harder, it's not necessarily harder because romantic love is plenty hard. <laughs> um, it's actually simpler in a certain way. You know, the, 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 one of the phrases that I like is uh, that a friend of mine uses. He says, um, uh, this quality uh, wishes, I, in, in this quality of, of metta, I wish everything for you and want nothing from you. Whereas romantic love is, I wish everything for you. And I'd actually like quite a bit back, thank you very much. <laughs> in this particular way, in this particular style, you know. So it's very different. I, it's, it, and, and metta is a generosity of heart. It, it's, a, it's a freely offered gift where you love, you care, and there's no expectation of return. You know? And that's different. And, and, and in that way, the heart feels very free. You know, and we all know this. This is not something foreign. We all have innate kindness and care and love within us. We're born with love as our essence. And I just came from a, from a dear friend who's, you know, suckling on her breast and you know just the sweetness she's a six-year-old six-week-old baby um so we have this quality innately within us and we can also and it gets trampled on it gets hurt and we and we contract and we withdraw and we shut down and the heart closes and we have the capacity to grow develop and and to and to to learn how to really extend it much more unconditionally you know, and we have experiences of that with strangers. Sometimes we, you know, we, we, we're helping a stranger who's homeless and we may never see them again. Or we, you know, we, you know, we, we, we feel compassion for, you know, victims of violence or, you know, catastrophe. And we, we feel that, that love that has no expectation, that just wants to share our resources. So we know that. And we have many places that we that we contract, where we limit, right? Just, just try watching one of the, one of the primary debates, right? Um, you know, you see, you know, or you know, watch, watch two, watch both debates, watch a Democratic and Republican debate. See how boundless your heart is, <laughs> right? Open in one direction and close in the other. You know, whichever side of the political spectrum one doesn't really make much difference. You know, we we tend to limit our love. To those who are more similar, familiar, uh, safer, etc., you know, support our worldview. And there's a huge, vast swathe of humanity that's not part of that. And so, in that way, our heart becomes more contracted and more bound. And this practice is orienting towards boundless freedom and boundless capacity to love, which is an ideal. And um, 
as any ideal, it's lofty and it's, you know, it's sort of breathtaking in its potential. And there are people like that who seem to have that capacity. And, you know, the, and usually they, you know, history is full of those people and they, they, they're in history. We remember them in history because they stand out, because they embody these amazing qualities. I was just reading a lovely article today and uh, yesterday and um, I subscribed to this email newsletter called kindness.org. It's a wonderful organization I think started in the East Bay and it's dedicated towards kindness and generosity. And so each of the stories are around, daily stories are around that. And there's, there's a beautiful story of a woman, Indian woman, who, who was married when she was 10 years old and she uh, was nine months pregnant uh, when she was 20. She had a very, very violent and abusive husband who kicked her out of his home when she was nine months pregnant. She went back to her family of origin. They rejected her. She landed up on the streets. She had a child on the streets and she remained homeless and ended up living in a train station, I forget which one, in Indian City. And, um, and despite her terrible, terrible traumatic situation, she also realized that as she looked around the station that there were so many other children who had been abandoned in the same way. And so she and she had no other means of livelihood. So she she begged for for food and and and, and you know medicine and whatnot. And she began taking care of the homeless uh, orphans in the train station. And she's been doing this for I think you know, fifty or sixty years, where she takes and she's raised over a thousand children. And it's incredible. Like the, it's inconceivable the trauma she went through, and yet. She had the, the capacity of the human heart to love and to care unconditionally. You know, it's profound. She now she you know she has orphanages and you know she's training people in her work and um, it's beautiful to see what what the human heart is capable of. Right? We all have that capacity. It's it's part of us our, our makeup. Right? And and we also can develop it through practice through cultivation. Which is one of the reasons I've, you know, I've been practicing the meta practice for you know almost thirty years now, and I really appreciate it. And I was raised Catholic, and I have a lot of love for many of the traditions in that church and the teachings in the, in the church. And but one thing that always was mystifying to me as a as a kid, especially as a teenager, and we went to this very rough, violent Catholic school uh, in, a, in a rough neighborhood. And, um, and, 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 and there's a lot of sort of, mm, not paradox, but um, what's the hypocrisy in, in, in the, we were sort of told to be nice, good Catholic children and be, love one another and love your neighbor. And, and I always complain to my parents, I say, I don't like my neighbors. <laughs> How am I supposed to love them? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, you know, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of teaching of telling me how I should be, but no telling me how to get there. And what I've appreciated about Buddhist teachings, not that it's not within the, in, the, in, the, in the Christian tradition, I don't, I'm not saying that, but I didn't have access to it growing up. What I've appreciated about Buddhist teachings is it's, they're pragmatic, they're practical, they're methodical, and there's, 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 a, there's a sort of step-by-step approach, including developing love. Right? Mostly in our Western romanticized, idealized notion of love, there's not, there's not really the understanding of cultivation and that it's work and it's practice and it takes effort and it takes dedication and it takes patience and it takes 
tenacity and all the things that relationships challenge us to grow in that way. And so the meta practice is one way that we can develop a certain kind of foundation where we come back to this simple orientation of wishing others well, which is one expression of love. Um, and so if you want to cultivate a more of a loving attitude, this is a lovely practice for doing that. It's um, sometimes delicious and beautiful and yummy and soft and pink and fluffy and other times it's just work. It's just you sit down and you feel numb and nothing and you're bored stiff and you're thinking, what the hell is this going to do with anything? And, nah, 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 nah. and maybe some of you have had those thoughts, <laughs> like, what's this going to do with love? I don't, I'm just feeling bored and restless and I don't like this person. Why should I be wishing them well? Right? But it's a way we train. It's a way we, um, you know, it's like the gym. You know, it, it's a way that we're working out that muscle of, can I orient kindly to strangers? And actually the strangers, is the, the, the neutral, or the it's called neutral person or the stranger, is one of the really fun places to work with in the practice because you, if you do this every day and you, 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 and you practicing loving the same stranger every day, they quickly cease being a stranger. You start to love them, right? So you maybe it's your your barista, you know, in, in, in Starbucks that you see every day and suddenly like, oh, there's Joey. <laughs> wonder how they're doing today. You know, maybe they're not at w- and maybe they're not on working that day and you go, Oh, I wonder if they're okay. I wonder if I should ask, find out what's up with them and so it's it's interesting to see how quickly when we actually turn our attention to someone, especially with a with, a, with an orientation of warmth or friendliness, that they quickly cease being the neutral stranger that you don't really notice or care about to being a real person. And just like with anybody, when we actually take in somebody that we may have walked past you know, a hundred times in our office and we actually say hello and we listen to their day, right? they suddenly become real, they suddenly become animate. And suddenly there's a, there's a connection. Just like you walk into this room and maybe you've new here to Spirit Rock and there's, you feel like, oh, I don't know these people, are these my people, I'm not sure, is this, is, this, is this where I need to be, I don't know. And there's a kind of sense of unsuredness or you know, uncertainty and, and then you, you, know, you, get, you go get your tea at, at the break and you have a great connection and, and suddenly there's a sense of warmth and connection. That, oh, I, maybe I, this is okay, maybe this is a safe place. And, and so how easily that contact, that connection sparks the heart, sparks love, sparks warmth. Right? And then we start to feel relaxed, we feel more safe, and then that, and it's more of a conduit for love to flow. So I'm seeing a hand up here somewhere, yes. Um, for me, it seems like there's, there's almost a selfish aspect to it. Not so much in the, in the kindness to myself, but actually to the difficult strangers, because it's almost like self-defense. I feel if they would feel loved and taken care of, and if they would feel well, they probably wouldn't act the way they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. where then gets to um, a gray zone almost, where uh-huh. I feel like, and, and then of course, if it's for myself or my close one, it is, is yeah so easy but even with uh, strangers because I think a lot of uh, people they would not do what they do if they were well and felt mm-hmm. loved and mm-hmm. and cared for mm-hmm. so yeah so you're saying that you're 
there's a little bias in your practice that if this person wasn't such an asshole, you'd be able to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or if you loved them more, and, they'd and be no, less of an it, asshole. It, it, they'd be nicer, <laughs> easier to love, and that's true in a certain way. <laughs> I mean, it's good to notice our little agenda, you know. <laughs> I'll wish meta for you so you'll change, so therefore you won't be so freaking difficult. <laughs> maybe it maybe be possible to like you. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, there, you know, I think every practice has its own sort of vested interest in a way, you know. And, um, but in not, in, it's not a bad thing. It's, you know, I think we're human in that way. And I think, you know, and on a, taking that on a deeper level, you know, I often will suggest this practice to people especially when they're having conflict with someone at work you know somewhere where there's not necessarily the safety or the just the ground for having a real conversation like maybe it's your boss who's just really difficult and then you're not going to sit down and have a heart-to-heart chat in the cafe because that's just not what's happening at you know american express or wherever you're working and um and so I'll say, well, you know, do this practice for them and wish them well and wish them happiness. And you, what usually happens is when we get out of our somewhat self-centered, subjective perspective and reactive position and actually see, yes, I don't like them and they're annoying and they're difficult, and, but maybe somebody else likes them. And actually people in the office seem to quite like them and, you know, um, maybe they do have these other qualities that are that are nice human qualities, and so we start getting out of our subjective framework, so we start able to see them differently, not just through our react personal reactivity. And usually, that opens up a little chink of oh, yeah, maybe they're ac- yeah, maybe I don't like them, but maybe they're not all horrible, and that can tend to soften our own reactivity to them. And in doing and doing our own work that changes the relationship. Even if this person never, ever knows you ever meditate and might fire you if they knew you meditated, the fact that you're doing your own work and metabolizing your own reactivity, people feel that. The next time you go into a meeting and you're less brittle or less reactive or less defensive, that they notice that. They get, it's something, it can, it's a, I've seen this time and time again where people do their own practice with someone they're having difficulty with. The other person never knows about their inner work and yet the relationship changes. You know, even sometimes if it's a telephone relationship, you know, you've got an office, difficult office person on the East Coast, something's felt right, in our voice, in our tone, in our hostility or absence of. Yeah. So, it's, so in that way, it does actually create a lot more harmony for us. You know, it can do. It's not like a magic pill. but And um, the point ultimately is not to be so self-referencing, but to really be generative of, may I wish you well, whether we get along or not, whether you ever like me or not, or whatever. Right? Um, yeah, good. Yes, question? Uh, yes, thank you so much for that, uh, that whole process. I, I think I came into it with a real open heart, and I was really happy. I don't know if it was from selling cookies or not, but <laughs> I was in a happy place and an open heart place. And um, and I thought about the person that we were eventually going to get to that I have a problem with. 
And by the time I went through the, the first three, by the time I got to her, I said, you know, she's really not that bad. You know, and maybe I'll call her tomorrow. You know, and it was, and I was thinking, wow, this is awesome. I think I need to get your CD. You know, <laughs> uh, but it really was transformative because mm. going into it, I knew I was going to choose her as my person that mm-hmm. was a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it does shift the heart. You know that. Mm-hmm. You know the. <clears throat> You know, the Buddha talked about inclining the mind, inclining the heart, right? So if we incline our mind and heart towards kindness, most likely that will be more available, right? If we incline our mind and heart towards judgment and fear and reactivity, guess what's more available, you know? So um, it's kind of a simple equation. We don't like to think of it as that simple sometimes. I mean, and sometimes it's not, but there is a place that... um, you know, we can really transform our mind state. You know, I do this a lot when I'm going into a reactive situation myself or I'm going home and there's some conflict at home, you know, and I just hold the people I'm going to meet with kind spirit and it really changes the situation. Yes, there's a hand here. Ah, yes. Uh, sometimes when when I'm oh, mindful enough, if somebody is acting mean to me, um, often I look at the person as I'm, I consider myself a fairly kind person most of the time. But um, if somebody's mean to me, I think that they're probably giving other people the same reaction that they're giving me, and I uh, try to come up with some compassion for them because. If they treat me this way, they probably treat other people that way, and they are uh, suffering because of their other people, their reactions mm-hmm. from other people besides myself. Yeah, yeah. And so have compassion or pity <coughs> for their situation as mm-hmm. a, uh, not a very nice person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, so you're getting out of your own way and seeing what it's like from their vantage point. Mm. Yeah, it helps soften our reactivity. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's two hands behind you, and then now there's one hand at the back. Um, One thing I like to do as I'm ending my metta practice is, besides all of the living beings on the planet, to actually do metta for the earth, too. Mm -hmm. And it feels very, very good on the heart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And one phrase that I like needs to our meta for sure. Well, I'm not sure right. if it needs a meta, but it's not a bad thing to offer it. Right, right. Um, another phrase that really feels like it opens my heart is, may I take care of myself joyfully. Mm-hmm. And of mm-hmm. course, extend mm-hmm. that all yeah. the way through. Yeah. Nice. I like nice. that one. Someone was telling, t- telling me about the way they practice. Um, I was mentoring someone the other day, and she had a lovely way of phrasing um, I think I can remember. She she would say, um, just like say with a difficult person, um, they're not really difficult. That's just we think they're difficult. It's, it's also good to clarify that that they're not objectively difficult. But anyhow, um, the she so as well as offering, you know, may you be healthy, may you be happy. Um, her, one of her phrases was, "May I open to you with loving kindness." 
So as well as may you be filled with loving kindness, may I open to you with loving kindness. And I thought it was a really lovely way. It's like very subtle. For those of you who know the meta practice quite well, it's a very subtle way of invoking the, it's like, it's like this, this, this swing door. Like it's like wishing the meta both ways. And really that's what the meta practice is. May I open my heart to loving kindness to everybody. You know? So I just thought I'd share that. Yes. So, you probably don't need the mic, but anyhow. <laughs> Hi, Mark. Hi. Uh, two things. Here's a, a quick quote from uh, Richard Wilbur poem. Uh, it's no great sin to believe we cast bread upon the waters, hoping to receive. The other thing is, as a popular phrase nowadays, no good deed goes unpunished. Mm-hmm. How do we Before reconcile the first that? And, <laughs> what? Uh, how do we what? How do, how do you reconcile that with the genuineness of the reaction in both cases? I mean, if we love ourselves, then we're going to love the genuine anger or resentment or hurt feeling that you have in a situation where having given, especially a great deal, nothing comes back. Mm-hmm. It is something in an existential sense that you have to deal with. Overcoming that may be another thing in, in, indeed, but I, this all should go under, as far as I'm concerned, living wisely. Uh, how do we get around that? How do we get around which piece? <laughs> well, uh, the, that which is fairly uh, obvious in the world, which is uh, so much of what we put back, put out does not, does not come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, that's cool. And, and yet, our genuine uh, desire for it, for gratitude, is very real. Is no sin. Right. I see. Right. To right. believe otherwise. Yeah. 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 Uh, we don't have to beat up on ourselves just because we wanted some small return. Yeah. Like gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think. You know, I've really been aware of this a lot today. There's, there's, there's often so much paradox in life. Well, there is a lot of paradox in life, and there's paradox in practice. And so, for example, you know, we're wishing all beings to be happy, and we know that for all beings to be happy, one half of the beings have to eat the other half to stay happy, right? Because otherwise they die, right? They're carnivores, right? Fish, birds, whatever. Um, so that, how, how is, you know, is, is this, this beautiful line, the mind creates the abyss, the heart crosses it. So our mind creates duality, separation, right, wrong, good, bad. How do all beings be happy if half of them are eating the other half? But the heart crosses the abyss by, by being able to hold that paradox and extending kindness and understanding that, yes, beings have to eat each other and, may all, and we still want all beings to be happy. It's a, that's just the basic wish and orientation of the heart. Even if the mind, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Right? So the same thing with with your your dilemma or dialectic of you know the generosity of heart that that freely gives and the humanness of liking something to be received in return. That's that's human. Um, and um, just like you know, so much of our reactivity and pain is human, and. Um, and the teachings are orienting us towards that's true, 
and how is it possible, how is it possible to offer freely, knowing that it's nice to get something in return and also not being attached to whether it happens or not, right? And so that's always a kind of edge, a dance we're playing with, right? So the matter is this generosity of heart. I love you, I care about you, and I wish you well. Even if you slap me in the face, I wish you well. I'd rather you didn't slap me in the face, and I'd rather you return my phone call, or, you know, were nice to me when I, you know, you know, it's just like when we give a homeless person money, and we think we're doing it just out of the benevolence of our heart, and they completely ignore our generosity, and we go, oh, we feel a little affronted, like they didn't say thank you. Well, hmm, you know, we might, you know, we might not, but, and that's our human side. And, and then we get to look at, well, where was that generosity coming from? Was it really about, was it really freely given or was it really a contract I was getting into and I demanded a certain response? Right? Very human, very natural, but not as boundless. Right? So we're moving from the, from the conditional, from the contractual to the boundless. Right? And, you know, we confront this in our relationships, right? In an intimate relationship, familiar relationship, father, son, mother, mother daughter, whatever relationship, right? Where, where we're expecting certain ways of treatment. We're expecting people to be honest and trustworthy or kind or fair. And often that doesn't happen in relationship. And and we 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 you know we're forced to we're challenged either to confront to speak up to let go to you know do all kinds of things. Um, so, and and the orientation is towards more opening, more generosity, more kindness, knowing full well that we ha- you know we're a little like elastic bands we stretch we grow in a little way you know three steps forward and then two steps back like we have this intention new year i'm going to give away as many things as i can this year and then january 2nd's like well maybe i'll need that coat you know if it's really really cold and you know el nino maybe i'll need that coat for the next year right and suddenly it's like oh what about me what about my needs right and then we then we extend openly and then there's a contraction Right? And so, hope, but hopefully, that three steps forward, two steps back is you know a little more letting go, a little more freedom, a little more kindness, right? knowing full well that we also react. This is a poem from Mark Nepo I found recently. It's called "For My Brother." And fine, I think didn't Hal? Did you give me this? Maybe I re- have I read this already here Monday night? No, that was. Uh, oh, good. Oh, good. Great. Uh, it's a beautiful poem about this loving heart, he says, you were there when I had cancer and now you've carried dad through the rickety bridge of his bones to whatever time is left. And somehow you're attending the argument that is our mother like a kettle without a handle. For all your gifts, your care is the wall, is the well that has no bottom. And though hoisting it up bucket by bucket turns you inside out that you know no other way that makes you my hero. And it's a beautiful poem. Here's his brother in the grip of you know the pain of family life, aging, dying parents, right? And the grit of dealing with that, and the tenacity that love requires, right? And it's heroic, right? In some, in some of these very, fami- sim- very intimate familial situations, taking care of a sick child. 
And I, my former partner of mine had a child with microcephaly and apraxia and various other uh, brain conditions. And she gave up this very beautiful life here because there was one school in, in sort of rural Georgia that was specialized in dealing with his condition. And so she gave up everything for many, many years, moved into a house with her ex-husband to take care of her son in Georgia. It's a bit of a difference from moving from San Francisco to Georgia. And it was just beautiful to see the tenacity of heart, that, that, you know, this, this capacity of boundless love you know, that we know as parents, we know as, 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 as people, as humans. And we also have the constrictions, the contractions. And this is why we practice, to, to see if we can nudge the, the orientation of our ship into a little more benevolent, caring direction. And, you know, the, you could say the selfish, the self-centered interest in that is when we do that, we feel happier. We're hardwired to connect. We're hardwired to connect, care. We're hardwired to feel compassion. When, we, when we're generous and compassionate, the same areas in our brain that f- light up when we're happy light up when we're caring. It actually feels good to care. It feels good to be generous. I mean, it's actually kind of good news. Like if it felt crappy to be generous, <laughs> if it was like sucked to feel heartful, then we wouldn't be so inclined. But actually it does feel when we can nudge ourselves out of our, you know, maybe more limited self-centered habits you know, and actually it's like, huh, how come I don't practice generosity every day? Or how come I don't extend myself more lovingly to strangers or difficult people? Because um, it feels so good. So I wanted to share this, this research. There's, a, um, there's one of many great researchers, um, Barbara Friedrichsen, uh, has done a lot of work uh, researching the practice of loving-kindness and uh, just as mindfulness has been the subject of a lot of research uh, in the last you know, 10 years or so, and has, and has therefore allowed um, uh, mindfulness to really um, you know, become you know, a very uh, part of everyday culture in, in, in healthcare and education and, and the justice system. And so that's, I see this similar trend happening with uh, research around compassion and loving-kindness. And um, you know we we live in a science-based culture where when we have scientific validity for something, then suddenly it has validity. You know, never mind the fact it's been around for two and a half thousand years, practiced by tens of millions of people. Who cares about that? But if there's a study done um, at Harvard, then it must must be true. So, so this is this is, and you can Google this article. This eighteen. Um, 18 Benefits of Loving-Kindness Practice, which is what we just did. Um, And I'll just read them out because I think it's an interesting list. So one is increased positive emotions and decreases negative emotions, which may be obvious. Increases vagal tone, the vagus nerve, which increases positive emotions and feelings of social connection. Decreases migraines, decreases chronic pain, decreases PTSD among veterans, decreases schizophrenic symptoms, activates empathy and emotional processing in the brain, increases the gray matter in your brain, which apparently is important for something, um, increases your ability to enter a relaxing restorative state, 
dis- decreases your telomere length, which is a biological marker for aging. There's a lot of really interesting research done on telomeres. Meditation has a profound effect on the telomeres, which is the enzyme which protects the, um, the, the, basically the deterioration of the DNA. Um, makes you a more helpful person, increases compassion, increases empathy, decreases your bias towards others, particularly minorities, and boy, do we need that right now. Increases social connection, inc- um, curbs self-criticism. I, I teach, I'm, I'm writing about the inner critic and self-judgment, and one of the main practices I give to people who are plagued by their inner critic is, is loving-kindness, because it's the complete opposite. Instead of, you're a jerk, you're pathetic, you're a loser, you're a failure, may you be happy, may I be well. May I be safe? Yeah, but you're a loser and you're pathetic. Yes, but may I be happy? May I be well? <laughs> yeah, but another thing, yes, and may I be happy? And may you be happy? And it's a really good equalizer. Increases feeling of social connection and positivity towards strangers and has long-term impact. So um, it's an interesting li- list, right? It's like, yeah, you know. I mean, it's all obvious to me what, you know, the the the. Cultivating the heart, you know, increases empathy, creates, cultivates kindness and social connection and warmth towards strangers. I mean, it's kind of self-evident, but um, it's interesting that this that can also be tracked very um, rigorously in in with research experiments. So here's a is a different uh, here's a poetic um, perspective. This is again, um, not again. I read it earlier today. A different poem by her, the Palestinian poet Naomi Shiab Nye, who writes a poem called Red Brocade. The Arabs used to say, when a stranger appears at your door, feed them for three days before asking who they are, where they've come from, and where they're headed. That way they'll have enough strength, enough strength, they'll have enough, they'll have strength enough to answer. Or by then you'll be such good friends you don't even care. Let's go back to that. Rice, pine nuts, here, take the red brocade pillow. My child will serve water to your horse. No, I was not busy when you came. I was not preparing to be busy. That's the armor everyone puts on to pretend they had a purpose in the world. I refuse to be claimed. Your plate is waiting. We will snip fresh mint into your tea. This is the unconditional kindness of offering care to strangers. It's beautiful, simple, ordinary, human, and so I think, you know, with this, with the practice of loving kindness is both the, the formal practice of saying phrases, right, which is a way of generating and, and it's the conduit for kindness. And, you know, you can take those phrases into your day. You can, while you're sitting in traffic, while you're sitting in a boring meeting at work, while you're in the elevator, when you're standing in line at the store waiting for your coffee, you, know, you just be saying those phrases quietly, benignly, a little stealth matter here, a little slip, a little someone who looks down, may you be happy, may you be thriving, may you be safe, may you be no love. And, you know, since no two mind states can occupy the mind at the same time, when we remember to wish someone well, even if it's for a few seconds, in, for a few seconds, in those seconds, we cultivate kindness. That is that. That's what's pervading the mind in the heart. So, um, so the strength of any practice is whether we do it and whether we practice it. Right. So whether you do it formally on the cushion or whether you do it just every day, sitting in traffic, walking down the high street, remembering, recalling 
that wish, whatever your wish is for people in a very general, simple way. It's a beautiful uh, way of turning the heart in that direction. Very simple, very ordinary, and also very boundless. It's very profound in a certain way to, to offer that to unconditionally. It's that great poem from the poet Hafez who says something like, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens to a love like that. It lights up the whole sky. And the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Is another um, very practical way of practicing metta. Though I don't know if this person was doing it in a conscious way, but the way she lived her life was like that. So the story goes, um, an old woman was asked what she used to make her complexion so beautiful and her, her whole being so bright and attractive. And she answered, I use for my lips truth. I use for my voice kindness. I use for my ears compassion. I use for my hands charity. I use for my figure uprightness. I use for my heart love. I use for any who do not like me prayer. So very simple. So often, especially as we get older, the beauty that we see is the inner beauty, is is the soul's beauty, is is, is what we've nurtured, the qualities, right? Sometimes radiate, you see, you see that light, it's an inner light that grows when we develop care and kindness and love. Right? And it's beautiful. I mean, we can have it young, but it, there's a certain maturing of that as we get older. And it, it shines beneath, uh, beneath and beyond the age and the complexion and the, the aging. So I think one thing that's interesting to look at is, um, you know, if this is such a lovely thing and, and it's innate quality, how come we don't hang out there all the time? <laughs> Since it feels very pleasurable to be loving, it feels pleasant to be caring and kind and generous, why don't we hang out there? If we want to be happy and, and loving and caring is, makes us happy, what's up? <laughs> You know, what blocks the heart? What causes us to contract? What causes you to contract? You know, shut down. So we want to know what interferes with the heart opening or what shuts the heart down. You know, someone in the group said today um, that she, as a child she was very emotional and very uh, had a lot of happiness, but also a lot of tears, and was and it was it was hard to control. At some point, she made the decision in the teens; she just shut it down, and then she sort of moved up into her head and became very analytical, and didn't have much access to her heart. Right? So maybe that's a choice that we make. 
Or maybe it's because of circumstances in our life are so painful and so traumatic that we just we, that it that it gets shut down. Right? It's just too hard to keep the heart open. Sometimes our hearts close because we, because we're too sensitive, and we feel the pain in the world. Right? It's hard to listen to the news or watch TV and um, just watch the debates. For God's sake, I mean that's bad and that's painful enough. But ah. Huh? <laughs> Now close your heart and to right in its heartbeat. Um, but we, you know, when just listening to the you know immense suffering in the world, it's hard to to keep the heart open. You know, to sit to, to you know, hear about species becoming extinct. When I hear about oceans acidifying, and when I hear about you know, you know tribal lands being stolen from native peoples, and and just the, the list is endless. And and so it, it's it, it's hard to stay open and to feel if we're empathic we feel the pang of that we feel when we hear about some atrocity in Syria or in you know closer to home. So it takes some tenacity. It takes actually a lot of courage to keep turning the heart to being open, to being receptive, to being sensitive. And we have to ask, what's the cost of closing the heart down? Because if we close parts of ourselves down, we kind of close the rest of us down. It's kind of like a one-size-fits-all. We can't just close down the pain of feeling the world's pain and not shut down also our capacity for joy. Right? They go together. And when, we op- when, we, when we're open, we feel the beauty of this intensely beautiful spring day, and we feel the intensity of knowing that this planet is really under siege. Right? We just had the, the hottest month in record. A rise of over two degrees C globally. It's a huge landmark in global temperatures. It's hard to, to, to be open to the ramifications of that on, on, on species and on the poorest of the poor. But the risk of closing down, I remember speaking to Joanna Macy, who's a beloved teacher and mentor, friend, and, um, and she was... Teach, talk, teaching and talking about um, the 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 greatest risk to the to the to the planet and to the species who live here, and she said it's not it's not greed, it's not ignorance, it's not hatred, it's not materialism and consumerism, and she says it's numbness. It's numbness that's the greatest risk because if we're numb, then we don't feel, and if we don't feel, we don't act. Right? If we don't feel, we don't feel enraged, we don't feel compelled, we don't feel love. It's the love that gets us to move to act. I created a Facebook page not so long ago called We Protect What We Love. And it's dedicated to positive action around climate change. And I, I wanted to to create that page because I wanted to post 
really positive news about people doing amazing work in defense of and in, in, in against climate change because we're so inundated with all the bad news and but it's also partly the motivation was to to to, to um, just post things about the beauty of the earth you know to encourage us to get out there and to touch and be touched because if we don't if we're not touched we not we don't feel if we don't feel we don't act it just becomes an abstract just like that comment was probably a bit abstract but anyhow um, all right so I'm going to wrap up here and I'm going to share a couple of poems So one simple poem and one global poem. So this is uh, from um, Mary Oliver, great poet, dedicated to her mother, who had, I assume, dementia, but was also very kind. And she writes, on cold evenings, my mother, with ownership of only half her mind, the other half having flown back to Bohemia, spread newspapers over the porch floor, So she said the garden ants could crawl underneath in the winter as under a blanket and keep warm. And what shall I wish for for myself but being so struck by the lightning of years to be like her with what is left, that loving? And what shall I wish for for myself to be that loving when I'm old? When even my mind is gone, you know what we you know we are what we practice we become what we do and so if we practice kindness and love even if our mind has flown back to bohemia or in my case to northern england or wherever you're from um hopefully you know i'll still be laying out newspapers for the keep the ants warm or whatever the california equivalent of that is <laughs> so i'll close with this lovely poem from diane ackerman it's a prayer it's called school prayer and um, it's really, a, you know, it's, I, I think of it as a meta prayer. And she writes, In the name of daybreak and the eyelids of morning and the wayfaring moon and the night when it departs, I swear I will not dishonor my own soul with hatred, but offer myself humbly as a guardian of nature, a healer of misery, a messenger of wonder, and an architect of peace. In the name of the sun and its mirrors and the day that embraces it and the cloud veils drawn over it, I will honor all life wherever and in whatever form it may dwell, on earth my home and in the mansions of the stars. So may we um, abide with hearts of loving kindness and care. May we embrace and imbue ourselves with that loving kindness since that's one of the places it's so hard for us to extend kindness. And may we radiate that out in small and large ways to those we know, those we don't know, those we love, and those we're challenged by. And may that practice uh, flourish in each and every one of us. Thank you. Nice to be with you. Take care. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.